Welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Well, good evening, Nick. Thanks for that uh, intro. Pastor Peter Scott, uh, if I haven't met you, uh, a couple of people I might not have, so I look forward to seeing you after, afterwards. Uh, if you have your Bible or your Bible on your phone, if you'd get that out, let's read uh, together from Philippians chapter 2. Uh, great to get into the Word, and we're going to read from uh, verse 1 through 11. Philippians chapter 2, I'll just let you find that quickly. And if we have it... Yes, we do have it all. That's excellent. Great. Uh, so let me start reading. Uh, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Nick introduced the fact that we're in the middle of a series uh, a few weeks ago, Georgia spoke to us about um, uh, gentleness. Thank you. Uh, Nick then spoke on patience. Uh, we had a gap because we had Mother's Day, and now we're into humility. And uh, I'm calling this talk today Humility in 3D. And I'm calling it Humility in 3D because we're going to come at this topic from a couple of different angles and because I found three definitions of humility. So we're going to walk through each definition and that's how we're going to kind of structure our evening. But before I get into the definitions, I want to tell you a a little bit of a story. Uh, Some of you I know are are familiar with Kerry. This is a place where a lot of stuff happens and uh, different groups use different areas. So if you think about the space we're at right now, uh, on a Thursday or Friday morning, this is being used by a lot of people as a school assembly area. Hundreds of kids, teachers, as school assembly. Uh, Sometimes on a Saturday night, this venue gets hired out and there's a a show here or a group doing something. And of course, on Sundays, we we have church. So a number of places like that across Cary. And and one of these places that gets used by multiple groups is the Home Ec Department. The Home Ec Department. And of course, as you'd imagine, it has you know, lots of place to produce food and utensils and all sorts of stuff. So as a church, we use that. And some of you are involved in youth ministry and sometimes we'll use it for youth ministry and sometimes we'll use it for men's breakfasts and all sorts of stuff. So this year, I've had a couple of discussions with the Home Economics Department. And the discussion goes like this. Um, Peter, somebody was in over the weekend and uh, they haven't quite left the place how we'd like it. I said, oh, okay, well, I'll go and check that out. But I'm pretty sure it wasn't a church. 
because I'm making absolutely sure that as a church, we're right on top of stuff. And sure enough, every time I've checked, I go to Ben, I go to Nick, we talk about it, wasn't us. No, legitimately, wasn't us. Or we left it in good condition. I've been to the men's ministry, wasn't them. So I've had a great relationship with the home ec department. Fantastic. Um, now, there happens to be a freezer in the home ec department. And uh, Ben, I think we've got a, a picture. And the freezer that they sometimes let us use looks like this. I've highlighted a big sign there, which says, do not turn off the PowerPoint. Now, those of you who are a little clever are thinking, this is about humility. He's talking about don't turn. He probably turned. No, I did not turn off the PowerPoint. What sort of person do you think I am? I did not turn off the PowerPoint because in that freezer is some really important stuff for the kids as they do their home economics, for all the students that do their home economics. So you don't want to turn the power off to the freezer. However, sometimes they let us use it. So uh, I actually used that about a week and a half ago. I had something in there, took it home at night. And that was fine. And then I got up the next morning and I had an email. An email read like this. Dear Peter, this is from the home ec department. This morning, when I arrived at the prep room, I noticed the small chest freezer lid was open. Oh, here's me telling the home ec department that it's never the church. And some bozo leaves the freezer door open and the puff pastry, which was supposed to be frozen, had puffed and all sorts of stuff was spoiled. And so I thought, God, I just love the way you work. I'm talking about humility and that happens. So this evening, we're going to do something a little different. A couple of times I'm going to stop. I'm going to let you chat to the person next to you or the person you came with or, or if you're not comfortable chatting to someone, just think about it yourselves. We're going to have like 30 seconds or a minute to think about some questions. And my first one is this. Perhaps with my failure, my example there in mind, how would you define humility? How would you define humility? Have a quick chat, 30 seconds. All right, there you go. I said 30 seconds. We'll keep it to roughly 30 seconds. Interesting question. Well, I said we look at three definitions. I'm not sure what you discussed, but I'm going to give you my first definition. And the first definition of humility is this. It's the quality of having a modest or low view of one's importance. Having a modest or low view of one's importance. Interesting. I got this from Wikipedia, so a very trusted source. Interesting definition. Now, I'd argue that my importance to the home economic department has increased because they really want to keep me away from the freezer, right? But I like this definition a little bit because I think it says how we typically feel about humility in society. Now, Nick made a couple of comments earlier, and I think that this indeed is what we think. We think that humility is sort of about an outward appearance, and um, it's how you project and I went further than just looking up the definition on Wikipedia. I looked up more on Google. I looked up world's humblest people. Obviously, it wasn't self-nominated, but that would have been self-defeating. But I looked up the world's humblest people, and here's what I found. All of the people in this list, there are about 20 of them, had a net wealth over $10 billion. And the reason they kind of made the list 
is because they were driving a car that was like 20 years old or they'd taken a bus to work once this year or something like that. It was this idea that if you're super rich or super powerful or super knowledgeable and you don't flaunt it all the time, you must be humble. Interesting. And I thought, well, I don't really like this definition very much, but I do like the idea it makes us think about our relative importance. And I wondered, has this always been the way we've looked at humility? And I discovered it's not. So in the ancient world, humility was not a positive thing. In the ancient world, humility was for slaves. It was for people who didn't own anything. And they were humble because of their lack of possessions, but also because they had no ability to influence society for the good. So if you were poor or you were a slave, you had no ability to influence either. So they were the humble. They were the unimportant. And if you're Roman or Greek or somebody in the ancient world, you would have said, oh, I really don't want to be humble. But what we see in the Old Testament is that God, as is often the case, gives us a different view. He comes along and says, that's not how I see it. I want to read three verses for you. We'll have one come up on the screen. Psalm 149 verse 4 says this, The Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Proverbs 3, 34 says this, He, this is God, gives grace to the humble. And then there's Isaiah 66, 2, the second part of it. I think that's on the screen for you. Where God says this, These are the ones I look on with favour, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. So we see that from the ancient view, God initiates this totally different view of what it means to be humble. Now, he's still talking to people that are poor, people that don't have influence. But what's happening here is that God says, but what I see in that group is a hard attitude that realises the only hope they've got is me. And the Old Testament frequently contrasts them with the rich oppressors who have everything and the capacity to run their own lives and are oppressing the poor and the humble. So God's saying that the humble are actually favoured by him. And it leads me to the second definition I want to share with you. Now, this definition is from a lady called Danielle Strickland. Um, now, if I say Danielle Steele, apparently this morning I said that a couple of times. I don't even know who she is. But anyway, it's Danielle Strickland who said this. Humility is agreeing with God about who you are. What do you think of that? Humility is agreeing with God about who you are. Now, in the Old Testament, God was introducing this idea to the people of Israel that others might think you're unimportant if you're poor or you're a slave, but actually... I value you. You might be humble, but I can see in the attitude of your heart towards me that I love you and I value you because I created you. And I want to say the same applies to us today. He values each one of you, each one of us, because of who we are, because he loves us, because he created us, not because of what we have or what we can do. And so the question that Daniel Strickland sort of poses is, if that's how God sees us, do we agree? Humility is agreeing with God about who you are. Well, sometimes I think we think a little too much of ourselves. 
Let me give you a couple of examples. Have you ever in your household had an argument about what to watch on TV? I've got four people in my household. It's not always pretty. And how do you do that argument? Are you putting forward the fact that what you want to watch is more important? Another example. If you're a car driver, have you ever been driving a car and the person in front is driving you nuts because they're not going fast enough? And I know that's true for all of us. It's happened to everybody. But why do we get so annoyed? Well, the reason is because my agenda, where I need to get five seconds quicker if they would get out of the way, is more important than that person and what they're doing. And you might think, yeah, they're sort of trivial. Let me give you some other ones that maybe they're not quite as trivial. Maybe you've had a thought that I'm actually more important because I've, I've got a pretty good job. It's even subconscious. I've got a pretty good job and I'm quite important. Or maybe you think, actually, if you all just knew how much I gave to charity last week, it was pretty impressive. And you walk around feeling a little bit better at yourself. Or what about this one? Actually, um, I'm a Christian. I believe in God slightly better than everybody else. I don't know. Maybe you've thought that. And the question that underlies all of these things is maybe just a little bit too elevated sense of yourself. And maybe none of those apply to you, but maybe there's something else. Philippians 2, 3 and 4, what we just read out of the Bible says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So when we agree with God about how he sees us, when we agree with God about who we are, part and parcel of that is that we're agreeing with God about who others are. And we see their value as well. I want to issue a challenge for tomorrow. Here's the challenge. I want you to see if for just one day, from waking up to going to bed, just one day, you can implement Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4. What do you reckon? Can you, in fact, do that? Consider others better. Value them more highly. Put others' interests in front of your own for the whole day. I'll give you another 30 seconds just to chat to the person next to you about what would that mean if you really, really did that? What would it look like? 30 seconds. All right, let's keep moving. We're in this definition that humility is agreeing with God about who you are. And so we thought sometimes we think too much of ourselves. Or sometimes we also think too little of others. Now, at one extreme, you might have heard of hate speech uh, and the idea that some people hate other people. There's a group of people that I hate. Well, that's quite extreme. But it can also be a lot more subtle. Have you ever just thought slightly lower of someone who 
talk too loudly or, or maybe dance badly at, you know, at a party, you're, oh, someone's laughing. Don't give too much away over there, Helga. Um, you know, there's, there's something that somebody does and you think, oh. Or maybe they've done something to you and you think, oh, I thought that was a nice person. And you start thinking less of them. Or perhaps someone's not living in a way that you agree with. You've made your decision about how you think people should live and they're not living in that way. We're all made in God's image. Sometimes we have this tendency, I think, to put others in boxes and assign value to it. But the Bible says we are all made in God's image and it tells us that in humility we should value others above ourselves. So sometimes we value ourselves too highly. Sometimes we value others too little. Sometimes we value ourselves too little. Some of us think not enough of ourselves. Paul says this in Romans 12, 3. Think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with faith, God has distributed to each of you. So tonight I want to say that humility is not thinking badly of yourself. And for some of us, we've been hurt and, and things have happened in our lives and we think, oh, actually, I'm not actually that good because that's what everybody's told me. That is not humility because it's not the truth. Humility is not an apathy, for instance. That means we don't try and do anything or use our gifts. And I want to say to each one of you tonight, you all have gifts, every one of you, every one of us. And actually, humility is about accepting that and using those gifts for the benefit of others. Now, you might be thinking, hmm, sure, I know I've got gifts, but they're not that important. Well, let me, let me, let's do a little hypothetical here. Are you able to sit with somebody, listen? Do you have the capacity to show interest in somebody, to, to care for somebody? I would guess all of you would be able to say, I think so, where's he going with this? Yes, I think so. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, but that's not that important. I can do that, but so what? Well, I want to show you a picture on the screen of someone who did exactly that. Someone who started a ministry because they saw on the streets of Calcutta in India people who were dying alone. And Mother Teresa started her ministry by saying, you know what, we're going to create a space where all these people who are being rejected by hospitals who are dying on the street alone, just bring them here. We're not going to fix them. We can't do that. We're not doctors. But here's what we're going to do in the last hour in the last day, in the last days or maybe week of their life, we're just going to be there so they don't die alone, so they know they're cared for at least once in their life. Now, I'm actually reading a book. I'm learning about Mother Teresa, amazing woman. But that's the gift that she gave. Can you do that? I think we can. Now, she did it in confronting circumstances. Here's the point I'm trying to make. God has given each and every one of you gifts that can be real simple, but really powerfully used. So I want to encourage you to do that. And I want to give you 30 seconds to share with the person that you've been talking to one of your gifts. What gifts have you got? And here's the test. The test is not to sit there and go, oh, I don't really have any. That's false humility. 30 seconds, what are your gifts?
All right, I'm going to bring you back. Now, you, you should be able to do that for quite a while because you've all got a lot of gifts, I know. So I'm sorry to cut you off right there. But I'm going to give him a third definition that I found. And this is actually my favourite one. Uh, it's from a lady called Sister Mary Margaret Funk. So we're going to call this the funky definition. And she said this, Humility is the face of purity of heart. Humility is the face of of purity of heart. Now, what what does that mean? What does Mary Funk mean when she says that? What she's saying is that humility is an outward perception. So we've kind of got that impression as we've been talking tonight. Humility is outward perception, but what it's showing is where your heart's at. How is your purity of heart? In other words, your discipleship walk. We're in a series on discipleship. How is that going? In our passage today, and the reason I chose it, we see Jesus being humble. And let's just read it again from about verse 5. Here's what Paul says. He says, But Jesus, being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Wow, that's pretty humble, right? That's got to be a definition. You are God, but you come and you become a man. I think that's, that's humility. And yet, that's not what the passage says is humility. Now, it doesn't say it's not humility, but let's keep reading. The next piece says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. So, in other words, it wasn't the act of becoming a man, But it's the fact that when he was a person, he then humbled himself. So he's on the journey that all of us are on. He's on the journey of being a human. That's when he humbled himself. How did he do that? Well, it says, by becoming obedient. In his case, obedient to death, even death on a cross. So this passage, the word humble is actually used for Jesus in his journey as a person, being obedient to the will of the Father. His purity of heart was perfect because he was perfectly obedient to God. So what we see is Jesus, the face that we see of Jesus, this this picture of perfect humility is actually because Jesus had a perfect purity of heart. So whilst I love this definition, and this has been really interesting, I wanted to move us on before we finish tonight into what I'm going to call seven signs of humility. It's something a bit more practical. So we've sort of been talking about definitions. And reading some of Mary Funk's work, I thought, let's draw out seven signs of what you you can recognise someone being humble if if you see these signs. Conversely, if you're someone who says, you know, I'd like to be more humble. In fact, I'd like to pursue purity of heart. And then when people see me as humble, they'll actually see that because I'm becoming more pure in my heart. So let's go through these seven signs. The first one's this, that we desire God above all things. First sign of true humility is that we desire God above all things. Many of you would sit there and say, yeah, that's right, put God first. What does it mean? Is there something that you'd struggle to give up? You say, oh, actually, this is, I desire this a little bit more, chocolate donut, or I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm projecting myself here, but... Is there something else that you desire more than God? First sign of humility is that we desire God above all things. Worth thinking about what that means. Second one, I'm going to race through these reasonably quickly. 
is that we identify people, wise people in our lives, and give them permission to teach us. And I guess the question here is, who is that in your life? Is there somebody in your life who you've given permission to step in and say, hey, I think, I think you're not doing that quite right. And I love you, and so I'm, I'm not telling you off. I'm just saying, have you thought about doing it this way? Because if you're saying you want to be a disciple and follow Jesus, let, let's go in this direction. Is there someone in your life that's able to say that to you and that you listen to them and start to try and do that? And if there's not, can I encourage you to find someone? Number three, sign of humility is that we are always graciously obedient and steadfastly patient. It's starting to get easier, isn't it? Graciously obedient and steadfastly patient. Oh, my goodness. That's tough. I don't really think I've got a whole lot more to say about that. That's just so hard but so simple. Number four, speaking of simple, a sign of humility is that we're satisfied with simplicity and thankful for what is offered. Now, this I will give some examples of. I think we live in a world and in a place where we have so much. And yet how many of us think, if I could just get that car, holiday, job, fill in the blank? Those things aren't bad things, don't get me wrong. But I think we could all live with a different level of simplicity and actually still be quite happy. Are you always thankful for what's offered? An example I like to use is if you're a coffee person and you used to really good timber coffee and someone says, hey, Jet, would you like this cup of instant? Not really. Are you thankful for that? No, not really. Sort of silly, isn't it? But what's behind that? Why are we not thankful for what's offered when we have so much? Humility, being satisfied with simplicity and thankful for what's offered. Number five, Sign of humility is that we're not quick to laugh at others. Now, the emphasis here is laughing at. Laughter's fabulous. But if we laugh at others, a laughter of ridicule or scorn or derision, then we really need to ask ourselves, what's going on? And sometimes I think in my life there have been periods where that laughter sort of just comes a little bit too naturally. And it says that something's going on here that means I'm not really thinking and valuing others correctly. Number six, I'll move on and finish these now. Uh, a sign of humility is that we don't get angry. <clears throat> now, hang on. Hang on, Peter. I'm hearing, I'm hearing a few people say, righteous anger. There is righteous anger. Yes, there is righteous anger. I have to confess, I'm not sure if I've ever had righteous anger. It's almost always that someone's stopping something that I want. The anger comes because my goal's been blocked and I'm frustrated. That's by far and away the reason, most often reason that I get angry. I don't know about you. But humble people, a sign of humility is that when something happens to us, we don't get angry at the other person because we actually love them. And we realise that maybe they're making a mistake or maybe my goal is being blocked, but I won't get angry I'll just, and I won't get even. See how naturally that came? Don't get angry, get even. We've got to change the narratives in our mind. Number seven, last one. A sign of humility is that we'll see trials as an opportunity to focus on salvation and not on the suffering. Wow, now that's a powerful one. All of us have gone through, maybe are going through at the moment, tough times. And the idea here is that in 
a humble person would see that and know that they are so loved and valued by God. They agree with God about who they are so much that they know that God's going to work through this, that there's transformation possible and that salvation is still theirs even in the hard time. So, quick summary. Three definitions of humility. Which one was your favourite? The quality of having a modest or low view of your importance? Agreeing with God about who you are? Or humility being the face of purity of heart? And we look briefly at seven signs of humility. Two key thoughts in closing. The first one is this. The Bible repetitively, explicitly talks about the benefits of pursuing and being humble. In Luke 18, Jesus says, All those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And the other really interesting thing that I found in in looking at this topic was that humility is a communal virtue, virtue. Now, what do I mean by that? Actually, the humility that we have is for one another. In the passage that we read, Paul introduces Jesus' humility and talks about Jesus' humility in this context. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ. He's talking about the context of being in community and then he explains Christ's humility. Peter does the same in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. He says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. As a carer community, our mission is to be and make disciples who love God, love people, and serve in God's mission. And part of that is working on our purity of heart. And I pray that the face that people outside this community will see when they meet you and I will be a humble face, that we will be able to draw them in, and that as that starts to happen more and more and more deeply, that will become what our vision is, which is to be a flourishing community of hope. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you. I thank you that you love the humble. Thank you for the hope that that comes with, that we don't have to worry about who, what we can do or what we have done, what we're capable of, but we just know that we are loved by you and deeply. Jesus, I thank you that you humbled yourself, not just to become a person, but even in that journey, you showed us how to live and encouraged us that humility is about a purity of heart in following the Father's will. We pray you'd help create that in us, create in us pure hearts, hearts that would see love for others and value for others seen correctly. We pray that you would change us, and that as a community we might grasp true humility deeply. We pray for transformation, and we thank you, Lord God, that you bring it. Amen. Amen.